I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5 this morning, we're going to begin in verse 7. Uh, page 974 or thereabouts in the Blue Pew Bible. Again, Galatians chapter 5. You know, to hear the Apostle Paul speak about the Christian life is to hear about people that he he clearly says are engaged in an activity with enormous consequences. You know, with Paul, it was never that we're just here kind of living our lives, biding our time, but looking forward to to the great future that, that lies ahead but rather, you're constantly hearing and seeing that we're, we're, we're running a race, or that we're fighting a war, or that we're building a structure, or that we're engaged in a wrestling match. In other words, we're engaged in activities right now, the here and now, uh, that are extremely consequential. They're accomplishing something today. He often speaks about... The goal, setting the goal ahead of us, and, and what we're doing is we're, we're looking forward and we're pursuing that goal. We're pressing on toward it. And given that, given that, that, that way that our, our lives are to be uh, consequential, he's asking the question, and we're always going to come to that point at which he's asking this question uh, in his letters, how are you running now? Uh, how are you fighting the fight? Uh, are you winning the fight? And when necessary, and it often it seems is necessary, he asks, what is it that's hindering you? What is it that's standing in your way? Well, as we turn to Galatians 5-7 this morning, we've, we've reached that point. And you'll notice as, as I read these words in just a couple of minutes that these are the very words that he begins with. Uh, it's, it's, it's clear, and he's making that statement, that there was a hindrance that stood in the way of this people that he's addressing, uh, those who are in these churches in this region that is called Galatia. And this hindrance was standing in their way. It was keeping them from running the race. And so after calling them in in chapter 5 verse 1, calling them to the freedom that we have in Christ uh, to no longer submit to a yoke of slavery. Uh, Right here, he wants to deal with that hindrance, that that problem that's holding them back. And he wants to kind of open it up and make it plain to them and help them to understand it so that they can return to the race. They can return to living by the Spirit, which is how he's going to finish out uh, chapter 5 with some passages that are very familiar to us. And so this morning as I read just these short few verses, I, I want to encourage you to think about this, about hindrances and about the hindrance that they were facing, uh, because this is something that is very common to us Today, uh, we can face the same basic hindrance that the Galatians were facing. And, and no matter what, we do have hindrances in our lives. And so we need to 
uh, pay attention to those. So again, Galatians chapter 5, I'll begin in verse 7. I'm going to read through verse 12, and then I'm going to skip down. We don't have it on the bulletin there, but I'm going to skip down uh, and read a, a verse later that is still in the same context, but it helps to speak to what uh, Paul is speaking to here. So I'm going to read chapter 6, verse 14 as well. So uh, chapter 5, 7 through 12, and then chapter 14 of, uh, I'm sorry, verse 14 of chapter 6. So Galatians 5, 7, Paul says, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from Him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Chapter 6, verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ to, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let me say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you for the confidence that we can have that these words are true, that they are given not only for the benefit of those who were in that first audience, those who are the members of the churches in Galatia, but they are there uh, for our benefit as well. And therefore, Father, we ask for your help, that you would take these words, that you would give us understanding, that understanding that can only come through the Spirit doing a work uh, inside of us. And therefore, help us as we come to understand them, to take them, to apply them to ourselves, to our own lives, uh, that we might be made free from hindrances and might follow and serve you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, there's a, there is a gift that the Apostle Paul speaks about often. It was central to the message that he was constantly wanting to share everywhere that he went. And it was so central and so paramount that he would even say, looking back, he would say, well, this is all that I preached to you. Uh, in fact, in that passage that we read earlier out of uh, 1 Corinthians, it was in chapter 2, Paul said these words, uh, he said this is chapter 2, verse 2 of 1 Corinthians, for I decided to know nothing among you. He's looking back when he was ministering to the, those in Corinth. I, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the thing. The cross of Christ. That's the gift, the God-given gift that is the very foundation of the gospel. We think about that word grace, which... We know if somebody gives a definition of, of grace, what is it? It's, it's a, a gift that's undeserved that is handed out to us. When we think about grace, 
That's what we're talking about. The cross of Christ, given as a gift to us. Uh, you know, several weeks ago, I was, I was given a gift by somebody here in, uh, in Murphy, another pastor that a number of folks here uh, know pretty well, lives, lives close to here, Pastor Tim, uh, lives, lives close to here, Pastor Tim. Uh, I'm going to tell you about this gift. Maybe if you see him, you know him, don't, don't share this with him. But um, it was a wonderful gift. Uh, he gave a couple of them, and uh, Garth and Katie got one and been using it. But it was, as strange as it sounds, 40 pounds of chicken all together in one block. It was frozen and wrapped in plastic, and it was in a box. It was kind of the, the, like one of those boxes that you carry a, a case of paper in, and it seemed like it was about as heavy uh, as, as that. Now, he told me it was 40 pounds. I don't know. It may have been 30-plus pounds, but it was heavy. Uh, and so I, I went to his church. I picked up uh, the, the box. I, I took it home. I was gonna. I cleared out some space down in our basement in a chest freezer that we have. I was gonna put it in there, and so I was carrying the box into the the basement. And as I was kind of turning it to set it down on on the floor, I think some of the perspiration from the chicken had weakened part of the box. And so this end of the box, I kind of tilted it downward, and this end opened up. And so this this brick of chicken uh, went flying down. And it went straight on my big right toe. Uh, and so you got the, the concrete of the floor, and then you got my toe, and then you got the chicken on top of that. And, and, and thankfully, I was wearing some shoes, but they didn't seem to do anything. And so here, I had received this gift from Tim. But I'll tell you, in that moment, it was not a gift. Uh, in fact, I distinctly remember... Uh, as strange as this might sound to you, I distinctly remember wanting to kick that chicken. But that would have been the worst thing I could have done in that moment. I held back from kicking, but I really wanted to. And so in that moment, I wanted to get rid of that chicken. I wanted to, to get it out of my life. Uh, and yet, it was a gift that had been given to, to me, uh, to us. Uh, all I could think about in those moments, if you can imagine, was, to be honest, the, the loss that I thought had occurred. I honestly thought I may have, in some way, lost my, my toe. I'll tell you, I, I didn't, came out later, uh, I may still lose the nail there, but, uh, but, it, but, but nothing like that. But I felt like that, and also, I, I had this thought in my mind, I was going to, it was the end of the, the day, I was going to go on a bike ride later, and the thought that was in my mind was, well, that's out. And I don't know when I'll be able to ride my bike again. And so all I was focused on was loss. I wanted to get rid of it. You know, I tell you all of this to tell you that there are times when we are offered a gift, even a wonderful gift. And yet that gift that we're offered can become to us an offense. And that's what the chicken represented to me. It was an offense to me. But that can help happen to us with other gifts that we are given. So that something that is a true gift that's given to us, we can hate it. We can want it to be taken away, want it to be removed from us. Uh, and this can happen when... There's something about that gift 
and something about what it does to us that makes it offensive to us. You know, I had no desire whatsoever before I was struck by the chicken. I had no desire to kick the chicken. But after I was struck, everything changed. Uh, and I you know, just felt this desire inside and, and I detested the chicken. Now, the gift that was so central to Paul was the cross of Christ, the gospel message. There is no gospel without Christ's death upon the cross. And so what Paul is bringing out in this passage that we're looking at is that when, when people hear the cross of Christ, when they hear it rightly preached, rightly understood, rightly communicated, it's often an offense to them. It, it strikes people. So that what was not at all offensive before is something that's now hated. And that's what Paul is talking about in, in verse 11 when he speaks here about the offense of the cross. Now this is likely something that you have, have heard about or seen or, or felt yourself, perhaps, when, when this great gift... That, that Paul focuses upon is expounded and explained that it's the one way of salvation, that it is the vehicle by which our sins can be removed completely, and therefore that we can be brought close to God, be together with God, reconciled to Him. Wonderful news, a wonderful gift. And yet when it's rightly proclaimed, there's something in the message itself that angers people deep down inside. You know, they may embrace the benefits, that which I just talked to you about. They, they may embrace those and desire those, but there's something about the message and how it's applied to me and how I receive it that often offends. And so this, this message of the, the cross often results in two very different reactions. Now, now Paul wants people, he wants these people to understand these two very different responses that people have to the preaching of the cross. It's either one or the other. And we too, we need to understand this and recognize because we may see this in ourselves. Uh, one of these two responses, we may see it in others. Uh, one response is that it's an offense there's a deep hatred there, and so there's a desire to just get rid of it, to remove it somehow. That's, that's what Paul sees in these false teachers, the, the Judaizers who have come in and amongst the, the churches in Galatia. The other response is, and this is what, what Paul wants the Galatians themselves uh, to see in themselves, and that is that they glory in the cross. Two very different responses. And so we're going to look at uh, both of those out of this passage. So first of all, some want to remove the offense of the cross. And so, I, so we want to talk about this offense. Why, why is the cross an offense to people? What is it about when it's proclaimed that many people are offended by it? They want to remove that offense. 
Uh, but first of all, I'd like for us to understand what, what Paul is, is saying here right from the very beginning of this passage. He's, he's speaking here to his flock, uh, to those whom he considers to be part of his flock. They're in, in a number of churches in Galatia. And, and he says, you know, ever since I first preached the gospel to you, you were running well. In other words, you had heard, you had responded, you had embraced the gospel. But, he says, someone stepped in. And uh, in, in verse 10, uh, he talks about uh, the one who is troubling you. And he says, they're, they're hindering your progress. They're leading you astray. And he goes on to say, I, I want you to understand, this is out of verse 8, I want you to understand that this, this persuasion, they're urging, they're, they're prompting you, is not from Him who calls you. This is not from the, from the Lord. And then He tells them to beware, to watch out. Look at verse 9. Uh, he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. He's given a picture there of a, a lump of dough. And there's a little bit of leaven in that dough. Leaven's like yeast. Uh, what happens when you, when you make bread? You get a lump of dough there. You put a little bit of yeast in there. It's prepared in the right way. What happens? It, it spreads throughout the dough. And invariably, the result, because of that yeast, makes the dough completely different. It's just a little bit, but it changes the, the entire character of the dough. That's what he's telling them here. Uh, and he's, he, he's, he's saying that requiring circumcision, which is what these false teachers were coming and doing with the people. Requiring circumcision, it seems like such a small thing. And no doubt, the people in these churches, they saw it as being a small thing. What, what does it matter so much? We'll just submit ourselves to this, but Paul is saying, if you do this, it will take over. It will change the entire character of your relationship with the Lord. It will lead you away from the Lord and away from the gospel Paul is saying that which you see as being small is not a small matter at all. It's the very heart of the gospel that is at stake. Now, it's at this point that Paul explains to the Galatians what's really happening. In a sense, he wants to pull back the covers on the Judaizers. And he wants to show what they're really doing. And so he says, this is in verse 11, if you'll look there with me. Verse 11, he says, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Now here, Paul is pointing to himself. He's pointing to himself as he, he was before, as he used to preach before his conversion. Uh, before his conversion on the road to Damascus, if you know about Paul, uh, he would have said, this is the way to be reconciled to God, to be together with God. You must obey the law. You've got to do what's acceptable uh, to God, and you will be accepted. And especially circumcision. Because that set you apart. That made you different uh, from all the, the sinful Gentiles that are out there. Uh, if 
You're circumcised. You're, you're, you're part of us. You're, you're different. It meant you were, you were good. You're not like Gentile sinners. That's, that's what Paul used to preach was circumcision. Uh, it made, helped you to be, as you did the other works of the law, good and upstanding and, and respectable. You're doing what the law called for. And if you do this, you'd, you'd be made acceptable. Well, let me ask you, in that message, where's the offense? There's not offense, right? Because that's expected of people. Think about it. You may have thought this. You may think this today. If, if you work hard to be a, a good citizen, and you're, you're dedicated maybe over many, many years to your job, to providing perhaps for your family, uh, maybe you've achieved and accomplished great things, maybe uh, achieved degrees, uh, Maybe you've, during that, that time, you've helped out others who are in need. You've been a member of the church. You've become baptized. And you've served the church well. How does that offend anyone? Or even if you say that others should do their part, how does that offend? It doesn't. Because people like that. Uh, people say, well, well he's, a, he's a good man. Or... You know, she, she is a, a wonderful woman. Look at all that she has done. And the implication there is that they must be loved by God. If anyone is in a right place with God, it must be him. It must be her. Yet this is why Paul says, verse 11 again, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision... Why am I still being persecuted? Because he's no longer preaching that. Otherwise, he wouldn't be persecuted. Uh, because it's not an offense. Now, what's he preaching? He's preaching the cross of Christ. But what does the cross of Christ say? The cross of Christ says that you're a sinner. And that you can't Help yourself out of that condition of sin. Your sin, in fact, is so great in the eyes of God that there's nothing that you can do for yourself to get yourself out of that. Yes, but, but what about the fact that I've worked for, for 50 years, I've worked hard and I've, I've earned a good living? What about the, the degrees that I've achieved? What about the people that I've helped? I've paid my taxes over the years. I've been a member of the church. I've given to the church financially and also with the sweat of my brow. You can't tell me that that's not worth something. Isaiah 64, verse 6. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. They do nothing for our salvation. We are unfit in the presence of God, and therefore, there is nothing that we can do to change that. We're helpless. You know, beyond that, this is something that's true of all of us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, someone might say, well, well, Pastor, you can't tell me that with all I've done, with all I've become over the years, that I'm no different than that person who was on the front page of the paper a couple of weeks ago 
for trafficking methamphetamines. Or uh, the man who was on there for uh, sexual abuse. You can't tell me that I'm no better than that. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, when it comes to salvation, God's answer is no better. Are you beginning to see how this offends this message of the cross? Not just a little, but it strikes us deeply, personally, because it says that all that you've been depending upon and all that you've taken pride in is rendered useless in this, the very most important area of your life, the salvation of your soul. And it doesn't stop there because the cross of Christ says you've got one hope for salvation. And it's not to be found in anything that you've done. It's not to be found in, in what you've become. You're not saved by your birth or by your baptism or by your family. You're not saved by your learning or the great status that you've achieved. You can only be saved by grace. This gift undeserved gift. You can only be saved by placing your trust in the Son of God who lived 2,000 years ago here upon this earth as a man and died the death of a criminal to redeem you and to take care of completely, once and for all, your sin that you might be reconciled to God. I trust you can see as we go through that why the cross of Christ is such an offense to many. It strikes right at the heart of, of who we are and of what we've done. And it's pride, it's pride that causes people to hate it because it offends. It's kind of like that, that big mass of of chicken that struck my toe and, and I wanted so badly to strike back to get rid of it in that moment. All that I had was a thought of what I would lose uh, and, and so my only thought was to get it out of my life. Well, it's the same here for many. All they can see when they hear the cross of, uh, of Christ preached, all they can hear is the loss of what they're, what they're hanging on to. And so they've got this thought in their mind, well, that's, that's too high a price to pay. And so what do they do? They remove the offense. How? By continuing to rely upon, to count upon the works and the accomplishments themselves. That's what the Judaizers were doing. And the question for us is, are you doing that? That's an important question because Paul is telling us here that you can think that you're trusting in Christ. It appears from the outside as if you are. When, when it really comes down to it, though, you're relying upon yourself. You're relying upon what you've done, what you've become. Now, here's the question that helps with our understanding. How do I respond to the cross of Christ? this gift that has been given. For some, the response, it's an offense. And they respond by trying to remove the offense of the cross. That's one response. 
But others respond in this way. They glory in the cross. You know, again, there are, there are two responses. We've looked at the first. Uh, it's that which is an offense. It was that of the Judaizers, a hatred. It's also the response of the bulk of humanity to the cross. But the second response is very different. In fact, it's the opposite. And this is the response that, that Paul is calling for the Galatians to look at themselves and to see if they see it in themselves. And we're called, look and see, do you see this in yourself? And you can tell that he wants them to see this other response uh, because he says in verse, nine, verse 8, this persuasion that's pulling at you, uh, it's not from Him who calls you. He's drawn a, a distinction there, and, and he's saying, this is, this is not from the Lord whom you had turned to and whom you appeared to have followed. And then in verse 10, he says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. Why this confidence? Because he believes that he has seen this other response in them, and he's calling them back to it to recognize it. Well, what is it? What is this other response? You know, it's, it's here in our passage, and Paul is speaking about it. He doesn't spell it out until we get later down in uh, chapter 6, verse 14. Now, just a note before I read this verse, I'm going to change a word in there and, and use a word uh, that's in many of our older translations, in the King James Version and, and others. Uh, and so in your Bibles it may say boast, but I'm going to change that word. So 614 uh, I think that brings more clarity to it. Paul says, But far be it from me to glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Far be it from me to glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What response should we have to the preaching of the cross? We should glory in it. And that means that the cross of, of Christ should be our pride and, and, our, and our joy. It should be that to which we, we turn and we want to hear. We want to take it. We want to apply it to ourselves. We see the hope and the significance that's there. It's that which we want to cling to above all else. Why would we have this response? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, first and foremost, because it doesn't offend us. It's not something that is hated to us. Now, how can that be? It must be because I've recognized that I am a sinner. I know it. I, I, I've seen my own sin. I know my sin runs deep. And I know that it separates me from God. And I've also come to know that I can't myself just set it aside. I can't be, be, be good and be right with God. I know that my sin runs deep. I, am, I have this inability, this weakness. I can't redeem myself and make myself worthy. And you know what? I've come to the point at which I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that weakness uh, inside of myself. And most of all, not only have I seen myself in that way, but I've come to see God for who He really is. That He is holy. 
that He is just, that He is above all things, and that He has cared for me, that He's given an offer that's full of grace and full of mercy, that He sent His very own Son to die in my place and to bear my sin, to bear my reproach, to take my sin upon Himself, and that in exchange, that in receiving that from Him and trusting in Him, I will receive the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For our sake He made Him to be sin, the Lord Jesus Christ to be sin, Him who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Remember what Paul said, you were running well before. This is what he's calling them back to. This, the cross of Christ, which is not something just in the past, but it's ongoing. The gospel continues forward. It it continues to help us to see ourselves in a right way. It continues to help us to see the Lord God in a right way. And therefore, our response continues to be the same. We glory in the cross. Paul is saying, turn back. Depend upon Him. And for those who are hearing it for the first time and really hearing and recognizing themselves and, and recognizing who God really is, He's saying, turn to Him. Trust in Him. Depend upon Him. And set aside all of that pride that was there. It will accomplish nothing but keep you from this gift throughout eternity. You know, the song that we're going to sing in just a moment captures this. Uh, the words of one of the verses of the song, let me, let me read them, says, Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. You got the picture there? This true state of one who has let go of and released all that they were hanging on to before. When it comes to salvation. And hanging on to the cross of of Christ. That grace, uh, which is a gift given and then it says, Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Saying the cross is that central to me. Wash me, Savior, or I die. You know, for the rest of the world, the majority of the world, those words would be words that would be hated. Number one, they wouldn't make a lot of sense. But number two, when they really begin to sink in, it would be hated. Because of pride. But, for those who know that they're needy, those who know their own helplessness, those who know that they are in need of mercy, they are in need of grace, that they are are poor and blind and without hope in this world, save the mercies of God. These words are healing and their hope and their life. There are two responses. We're called to ask What's my response to the cross of Christ? Please join me in prayer. Father, we, uh, we thank You for these words. Uh, we thank You for the struggles that took place 
within these churches uh, in Galatia and that, Lord, that we can learn and, and benefit from them and hear the truth from them. The truth of that which is so valuable, so much needed by us. Uh, Father, help us to do that, that work of peeling back the layers and looking at our own hearts and understanding where we are and how we respond. And Father, I pray that You would help us to truly see the cross in all of its glory and all of its meaning that we might glory in it, not just one day, not just in the past, but day after day, and therefore respond to You by clinging on to that cross. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.